Welcome to the Opinions on Pickens podcast, the sports show where there are no fouls or flags, only baskets and touchdowns. Here's your host, Alyssa Butterson. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another exciting episode of Opinions on Pickens. I'm your host, Alyssa Butterson. We have a pretty cool guest here with us today, Patrick Ricard. Thanks for being here. He's pretty much Mr. What Can He Not Do, or as some may know him, Project Pat. What's going on? How are you? I'm good. Just got a nice workout in. So, you know, I'm a little sweaty right now, but excited to be here to talk to you about some football and what's going on with me and my team. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for being here. So let's start with the nickname. Where did Project Pat come from? So I, I told the story you know, a number of times now. So pretty much it was the first week of OTAs, my rookie year, you know, just getting to the Ravens organization, don't really know anybody too much. And I was in a drafted defensive lineman. So I was with the defensive lineman the whole time and being around Brandon Williams. I mean, that guy, he's a character in itself. So he kind of one day in, in you know, in, in individual drills and things like that, he just randomly called me Project Pat. And at the time I was really confused. I had no idea what he meant by that. I was like, do you think I'm a, I'm a project? Like, you know, I'm, I had potential and all these things. And later to find out there's a rapper named Project Pat that was big in the 90s. I didn't really know too much about him until at that point. I was like, oh, crap. Like, okay, Project Pat. Like, all right, this is pretty cool. And for me, I actually really like the nickname. It sounds cool. And also for me, I was an undrafted defensive lineman. So it kind of gave a name for myself. So in the building and organization, guys who maybe didn't know me heard my nickname, like Project Pat, that's Project. Like, it kind of gave me a name for myself. And um, it was a way for fans to know me. And I, I like the nickname. I think it sounds good. And I'm all it, for it. It really does. It's it's the nickname we always aspire to have, something cool like that. Mm-hmm. Let's bring it back a little bit, though. We always like to kind of start at the beginning here. High school, was that kind of like the time for you when you realized football is now a love of my life? Yeah, it really was until high school. Um, you know, growing up, I wasn't a, a big kid. I wasn't a tiny little kid. I was, in my opinion, I was kind of an average sized kid, maybe slightly on the smaller side. I only played two years of football growing up until I got into high school. And I was really big into baseball. I played baseball my whole life. My dad coached me pretty much all up until high school, played with my brother. Um, So I was really big into baseball. And then once I got into high school, even my freshman year, I wasn't that big. I was probably really like 5'8", 150, 155. So I was, you know, an average size high school kid. And then once going into my sophomore year, uh, I started to hit puberty. So I started to get bigger and bigger every year. I probably gained an inch or so, 15, 20, 25 pounds each year in high school I was growing. So at that point, that's when I really started to like football. I was playing really well. Um, I was a lot bigger than a lot of guys I played with in high school. So I was able to just dominate guys. And that's, you know, ultimately it gave me my scholarship to play at the University of Maine. So, I mean, it really was my biggest sport in high school. Let's not sugarcoat anything here. I love that about you. Right. And <laughs> so at what point were you like, let me start thinking about colleges and, and what made you decide on Maine? It's probably going into my junior year because my sophomore year, that was a year that I got a lot bigger. So it's kind of like, okay, I'm a sophomore. I've gained all the size and I'm only going to keep growing. You know, my dad was a big guy. He's probably like in his prime, like 6'3", 250, but, you know, a pretty jacked guy. And, you know, I had a good genetics for him. So I knew that as a 15, 16-year-old kid, I still have two more years of high school to grow and develop. 
to hopefully earn a scholarship. And at this point as well, my brother, who's two years older than me, he walked on at Stony Brook, which was a Division One AA school. Wasn't a big school, and they're, they're bigger now. And going to my junior year, he went there his freshman year. So I kind of knew, you know, kind of had to start envisioning myself to take that leap to college because my brother just went through the whole process. So I understood the process and kind of what it took to go Division One, even if it's one double A, um, doesn't matter. It's still Division One. And so I knew at that point I had two more years to really develop and try to earn a scholarship. And I didn't get it until after my senior year. So it, it took some time, but I knew but I just kept getting bigger, stronger, keep learning from what my brother's learning in college, and then I will get a shot to go to university in Maine. Is this kind of where you started being, I've read up a lot about your question asker. You're always trying to look for more knowledge. How can you get better? Yeah. So to give me more background on myself, um, I'm from a small town. It's Spencer, Massachusetts. It's right side of Worcester and central Mass. And, you know, it's not many resources out here. You know, people don't come here to get recruited and things like that. So you kind of have to do more than some other guys who either get more opportunities or get more exposure. So for me, like I have to just constantly just have that kind of underdog mentality of just trying to be resourceful and try to learn as much as I can so that I can get an edge against maybe guys who are either more talented than me or has those resources that I may not have. And to have my brother two years ahead of me kind of have, you know, a college program. Like I was lifting in, in the winners with him, with his college program, you know, instead of my high school program that I was following and things like that. And you know, I've carried it all the way in when I was in, in Maine trying to learn and then same in the NFL, even now, like at anything you can do to get an advantage, you're going to try to do it. Definitely. It seems like your brothers and are they a big support system for you? Yeah. I mean, I played sports with my brother my whole life and we're close. That's how me and my brother are really close with sports. I'm big into video games. He kind of wasn't. And I have a lot of friends who are big into video games. So I hang out with them in that aspect, but Definitely sports. And then um, in high school, I had a girlfriend on and off in high school. And then once I got into college, that's we started to talk again. And that's when we've been serious. And I married her last year. So I've had my wife now pretty much since high school be there with me the whole time I was at the University of Maine and now in the NFL. And she's definitely my biggest support system. And then also I have my family members and my brother and my parents. Um, I have some close friends in my town. And then obviously, my agents, they're big in supporting me and guiding me. And then obviously, of course, my teammates, coaches, and you know some fans, but definitely my family and my, my wife. Those are the biggest right there. It takes a village. It really does. But on that note, congratulations. You guys got married earlier this year, I believe. Uh, we just had our one-year anniversary. So Congratulations. We, thank you. Yeah, it's been, it was a crazy year. I mean, we got married February 21st, 2020. And then we had a honeymoon. And then as soon as we came back from a honeymoon, that's when the pandemic happened. And um, we were in Massachusetts. The whole state got shut down last March. So it's been a year since then. So it, it's definitely been a, a crazy year that nobody ever expected. That's for sure. We're going to be like talking to our grandchildren about this time and like when everything closed down and they're going to be mind blown. I, I seriously see it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of COVID, I mean, talk to us about a year ago. You're, you're right. It has been about a year what kind of struggle was that like for you and your family? Just adapting maybe to different changes even. Yeah. I mean, we all live in in the same town and area. So we're all close. And I guess we weren't really able to see each other for a while. Um, You know, nobody really knew what exactly COVID was and how it spread and how it affected people. So 
we really made sure we didn't see each other for months and months. And then pretty much, you know, I kind of see him occasionally. And, um, you know, this past season, I was obviously away and I actually contracted COVID. Um, you know, our team had a big outbreak around Thanksgiving and I was one of the players who, who had it. So fortunately I do have some antibodies still in me and, uh, I don't really have to worry about it as much or people I'm around, but I, and I'm still careful and things like that. So now being back home, I, I have seen my family here and there, but, you know, I still try to be smart about it. And thankfully no, no one in my family has really contracted the virus. So everyone's been pretty healthy. Um, you know, the only thing is I do have some family in, in, um, in the medical workforce, like my mom's a RN, my sister-in-law is an NP, my wife's a PA. So it does affect them in, you know, having to go in there and, you know, be in the front line when all this stuff was happening. So it was definitely crazy for them. But overall, I think everyone in my family has been doing pretty well with it. They're the real superstars through this whole thing. Yeah. Seriously. Mm-hmm. And I, I know it can't be easy. One, you're living through COVID season, but two, trying to get through a football season with COVID. And now you're not only worried about yourself and your family, but you're also worried about your your other family, your team during that whole thing too. And I'm sure going there every day, getting your nose swabbed is one thing, but then having to sit out actual games and re- really feel the effects of COVID has to be hard. Yeah, I think this whole past year dealing with COVID, just the protocols that we had to go about every day. I mean, it was a challenge. I mean, it really was. We we had to have chips on us at all times in the building. We had to get t- tested every single day for six, seven months. Um, a lot of guys were away from their family, their friends for so long. The NFL, I think, did a good job. We were able to have a season, have a complete season. There wasn't too many hiccups besides a few outbreaks. But, I mean, it's a crazy virus, and they spread like wild. And when we had the outbreak and I had a coronavirus, it seemed like a lot of guys that had it. It was pretty mild symptoms, so a lot of guys weren't too bad. I don't think anybody was hospitalized, but it does affect everybody differently. Um, I had mostly all the symptoms. It lasted about two weeks for me. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that was hard for me was being away for 10 days. We weren't allowed to be doing anything for 10 days. And that's in the middle of the season. So, like, to kind of get your body back going again and, and get back in shape. And it, that was that was the challenge, I think. Um, I was able to get over the virus pretty quickly. But I'm just hopefully this upcoming season, it's going to be, you know, we won't have to deal with it as much. We can have more fans there. We don't have as many protocols and proceedings, you know. Things, yeah, so let's you know, let's hope it happens. But if it doesn't, we already know what the season is going to entail. Again, it's going to be all Zoom meetings. It's going to be social distancing. It's going to be all these protocols, and that's what it's going to have to take to have a season. So it is. At the end of the day, as long as there's football, I feel like do whatever it takes. Yeah. To an like, to, yes, I, I do agree. I do agree yeah. to an extent. If I have to take a COVID test every day, so be it. I want to be out on the field. Right. Exactly. Let's talk about some highs of this season. What are some of your your favorite fondest memories from this past season? Past season? Hmm. Oh, let me think. Let me think. It was a crazy year. So, like, I'm just trying to, like, I think probably the biggest thing for me was that playoff game. I think that alone might have been the best part. I mean, we lost to the Titans in the playoff game two years ago. Great year. Unbelievable year. And just terrible ending the way we way it ended was just terrible and then we had another shot at them in the towards the end of the year i think it was like we 11 or something like that and it was you know we were up a couple scores and then they let them back in and then they beat us in overtime that one hurt and then you know we finally got redemption in their place and moved on to the divisional round and 
finally got a playoff win. We haven't had one in a couple of seasons and to do it at their field. Um, I mean, against that, against those guys, I mean, it, it was a great feeling. And then probably besides that, I'd probably say the Browns game this year. I mean, that game, crazy game. That was, that was, that was crazy. Crazy game. That game. Yeah. Those are probably, the, those are probably the best two moments I think of the season. Those are like games that you like really live for. And like, you just will always remember. Talk to yeah. us about Lamar Jackson though. Like how, cool and how awesome and just like versatile is this dude lamar is a very humble guy he wants to be like anybody else in the locker room he just wants to be you know just like myself he wants to be he doesn't want to be this mvp big shot that he is like let's be real like even last year when he was having the whole mvp conversation about him like he didn't talk about it he didn't even want attention on him just how he is and you know when you guys had his back with that yeah, and he just wants to have fun and wants to win games. And, you know, he's a guy that he knows everybody's names in the facility. Like, he knows all the cafeteria workers. He knows all the medical staff, the equipment guys, you know, janitors. That's just how he is. And when he walks into the training room, he says hi to everybody, gives everyone a handshake. Like, he's just a very personal player and teammate. And um, he's just a phenomenal player. I mean, that's just to add on to the person he is. I mean – Everything he does, I just I'm in awe of all the plays he can make. Like I don't understand how he does it. And you know, me, I was a two way player for my first three years, so I played defense against him in training camp and things like that. And he was just not fun to play against. And you know, to be in the huddle with him and be around him and how special he is as a person and player. I mean, I wouldn't want any other quarterback right now. He really is just he he's awesome, dude, and he's a great leader. From what you've just said, it's I feel like what you just noted is important to know everyone's name and to show that respect to the janitor that you do the CEO, because that kind of just, it makes you more of an approachable and just down to earth kind of dude. Yeah, it really does. And I think, I think that's going to go along further than maybe his play. But I'm in the day. I mean, his play is the biggest thing and it'll, it'll take care of itself. But as long as he stays who, he, who he's been, he'll just, you know, keep playing and playing and playing. So another thing I have to ask you about is we're based in Columbia, South Carolina. We're huge Gamecock fans. So we kind of did some research and saw that you have some history with one of our favorite people, Hayden Hurst. Yep. I love Hayden. Can you talk to us about just like how, like what was y'all's relationship? Like, what is it like? Yeah. So let me see. My second year here is the year we drafted him. He was a first round pick. His story's insane. If you guys don't know about it, Hayden Hurst, he... He was a great baseball pitcher, tried to, went pro for a few years, and then he caught the yips. So he just mentally, he just couldn't throw baseball anymore. He just, for some reason, he's had a mental block and just lost his ability to be that talented baseball player. So then he's like, you know, I'm in a bad place. Let me try to turn my life around. And, you know, he talks about this openly. You know, he was depressed and all this stuff like that. And he decided to go to the University of South Carolina and become a great tight end and ended up becoming a first round draft pick. And he's actually older than me. And I was in the league going my second year and he's, I think, a year older than me. So that just shows, you know, and the thing about Hayden, he's already a professional baseball player. So he was already a pro. So for him to make the transition to pro baseball to pro football, um, you know, he already had that professionalism about him. So it was just now transitioning his game from college level to the pro level. And I mean, he was just a great teammate. Um, you know, him, Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle, they were so close. And for me, I was 
still playing offense and defense. So I would be with the defensive line and then I would go with the tight ends room. That's where I would meet and I would be with those guys all the time. And those three, you cannot separate them ever. They were just always around each other, always joking around. And, and I, I would just kind of come in and be like, Hey, what's up guys. All right. Goodbye guys. Oh, Hey, what's up? And uh, you know, I, I got a good relationship with Hayden. Um, I was just so happy to see him go to Atlanta and be the number one tight end because, you know, we have Mark Andrews here is a phenomenal tight end. Nick Will is a great tight end. And, you know, and then you, and you throw me in there, pull back and do some tight end stuff. And, you know, it, it was just, a, it was, we had so, we had so many great guys um, for, you know, a limited amount of, of plays in the game. So for him to go down there and showcase who he is and, you know, hopefully, you know, the next couple of years, he'll just keep making a name for himself and just, you know, hopefully earn a nice big contract and, <laughs> win a lot of games for whoever's playing for, um, you know, nothing but the best for Hayden. That's for sure. Seriously. An awesome dude. He has a great story. The crazy thing that sticks out to me about your story is your, as you've mentioned, ability to play on both sides of the ball, a fullback and a defensive lineman. Mm -hmm. I mean, you do see this a lot in high school, a little bit in college, but the NFL, not so much. Yeah. It's definitely a unique story. It, um, it kind of evolved. It wasn't like, you know, coming to the league, oh, I'm going to be a two-way player. Like, here we go. It was more of, I was in a drafted defensive lineman, try to make it as a defensive lineman. And, you know, they saw potential for me to play fullback for them. Kyle Jusicek, he just left me free agency. They didn't have another fullback on the roster besides another undrafted rookie in my class, excuse me, and a running back. They were trying to convert to fullback. So it was really about a weekend and in OTAs and, that's when they kind of gave me the opportunity to, to try a couple of snaps of fullback, tight end. I did well. And then it kind of just went from there. And then my rookie year, I, I that's when I went to full time with the offense to learn it because I didn't play offense in, in college or anything like that. So it was a big learning curve just to learn the position and learn schemes and just and then execute it on the highest level possible against guys who've been playing defense their whole lives and you know, at that, and I was still playing defense. You know, I was an undrafted guy, and I'm just trying to be as valuable as I can, try to help the team, try to make sure I can make the team and things like that. And I did it for three years. And my third year, I was able to play more defensive, uh, defensive line. I was playing a lot better. And, and then it just kind of got crazy. I mean, both sides of the ball, they uh, were trying to use me, and I can only play so much. And then it was, I was doing really well on offense. And the way it goes, whenever the offense is calls my personnel. I have to go. I can't like have somebody else go in there because there's nobody else on the defensive line. You know, we can rotate, we can have hockey shifts. So like guys can go in when I couldn't go. And then it kind of just slowly, I just kept transitioning more to offense because I was doing so well and they really needed me. And, um, you know, it didn't really matter for me, defense, offense, whatever it was. And, um, you know, it was crazy. I had a, I had to know a lot. I had to learn the whole offensive scheme for, uh, I mean, game plan for the week, defense and special teams. And I was still a young player just navigating the NFL. And I wouldn't change it for anything. Um, you know, this past year, I only played offense and I really grew my roles with the offense and played a lot more this year and played better. And, you know, hopefully next year is going to be the same thing. I'm just going to keep improving and whatever the team needs me, I'm going to do my best and try to make it happen. And, um, you know, just go as far as I can. Talk about a double threat. Seriously. I did have this question though. So I don't know if you saw the story that came out about during COVID 
Grunkowski, he was like, yeah, I just changed my shirt and like, just took the same video and like, just sent all of them in. Yeah. Do you, come on, admit to us. Did you do anything corny like that during COVID? <laughs> no, I laughed at that. I'm like, I'm like, he, like, I don't know. Him, I don't know him personally, but I mean, obviously like seeing things in the media about, about Gronk and it's something he would do. And yes. he just came out of retirement. He probably doesn't want to like do all these crazy workouts they're making him do. He probably just, and he's a, he, he's Robert and Kelsey. He knows exactly what he needs to do to get his body ready for the season. And I laughed at that so hard. I'm like, I, I don't understand how he really necessarily did it because with the Ravens, they make us like how we're on zoom right now. Yeah. That's what we do with our coaches. We're in groups and we're on zoom for the whole workout and they watch us. And I, I mean, it must've been different for the bucks. They must've just said, Hey, the workout. Or maybe it's just different for these kind of guys. <laughs> maybe they're probably just happy to have them. Probably like, hey, just just send us you doing the workout, and that'll be that'll be enough. And he just finessed it. Just wore thirty seconds. Shirt. Yeah, like that's very that's very smart, honestly. Very smart, yeah, but smart. also it's like who th- like who would think about that? And you're so right. It's like there's all these uh, celebrities and big high class people that you even though you don't know them, like you see the stuff on social media, you're like. Oh yeah, he does seem like the kind of guy that would do that. Yeah, it happens. It happens. It, it really does. But I also wanted to talk about the Pro Bowl 2019, your first Pro Bowl appearance. But it was in Orlando that year. Actually, one of the reasons when I was doing some interview prep for this, I was working the 2019 Pro Bowl in, in Orlando, and I actually remember seeing you out there with like Russell and Sierra and all them like taking photos, like with your family and stuff. And a light bulb just went on. I was like. Oh, <laughs> talk about that experience though. Was it, how was it for you and your family to be a part of that? Uh, it was fair. I always say the same word. It was surreal. Like that's all I can always say about it. I think the coolest thing about it was, unfortunately, we were the number one seed in the AFC as the Ravens. And because we lost the playoff game against the Titans, we hosted the AFC side. So the whole coaching staff was down there, the equipment staff, most of our trainers. And then we had, I think like 12 pro bowlers there. So I had a decent amount of, of my teammates and just to be down there, it almost felt like we were hosting it because it was all my personnel was down there. And just that fact alone, it made it very comfortable be, to be down there in my first pro bowl, third year in the NFL, undrafted guy out of Maine. So I don't, I'm not around all these high profile athletes or, or guys, you know, around the league. You know, I haven't played all the teams yet. I haven't been on another team. So like, just to be down there and surrounded by all these great football players that I either grew up watching or I love to play against and just to be around them. And, and the coolest thing too, is how they have the Pro Bowl. They make an, a big hotel exclusive to us. So we're the only people staying there and they make it super exclusive. Like we have to wear these things called credentials. And it's like, it's like little, like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's like a little thing. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. We have to wear that at all times. I mean, everywhere we go, we have to show it. And mm-hmm. It makes it so that there's no fans there or other people trying to be there. So it's just fam- it's exclusive, very exclusive. exclusive. So everyone's comfortable and like to have my 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 parents, my brother, my wife, and her side of the family down there experiencing with me. I mean, I think that was that was probably the coolest part. Like, and the events they had us do, um, you know, it's a whole week long thing. And th- there's two things besides the game that they have us do, and super cool. They extended the park hours at Universal Studios and. They had us go to Universal Studios and pretty much we had the whole park to ourselves. And 
I'm walking around and there's Russell Wilson with Sierra and my dad's right next to me. And I'm like, Hey, like, make sure like we went on a ride, came back out. My dad was sitting there. I'm like, Hey dad, I'm like, like, did you see Russell over there? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm like, dad, like we have to be looking around. Like we're not just at a normal amusement park. Like these are all like, you know, like there's Russell Wilson, there's Drew Brees running around with his kids. Like, like this doesn't happen every day. And, uh, and then besides that, they also had us like a VIP tour of Disney. So like, Six hours, they just showed us around wherever we wanted, around all the Disney parks, all back, back access. We could go like in the gift shops of the lines and just instantly get on the rides. Like it was insane. And, you know, unfortunately, not having it this year, it was all virtual. You know, they didn't really do too much besides, you know, some really high profile players. They did a couple of things like played Madden and, and things like that. And it was supposed to be in Vegas too. So it was going to be crazy. I was so excited about Vegas. I love Vegas. No, <laughs> it would have been so cool. And like to have my family and friends go again and experience it. But, you know, it is what it is. And hopefully, you know, I get to experience another Pro Bowl. Um, hopefully they have one, not virtual, but we'll see. You, you definitely, definitely will. And you're right. There's Disney World in itself. Oh my God. But just, it's like the inner kid in you like, oh, I'm skipping the lines. Oh wow. We get to do what we want. Like, you know, it. <laughs> I don't care if you're 50, you got to love Disney. It was cool. It was definitely cool. What about this upcoming season? What are some, I guess, things we can expect to see from you in the, this upcoming season? Yeah. Um, so like I said, um, I was with the offense this past year full time. So I was really able to improve in different areas. I mean, there's a lot of things that was asked of me this past season that I've never done in my life. Like I've never done this and I have to do it in games and try my best. And, you know, we didn't have an off season of practicing. So all I had was really a couple of weeks of training camp to get myself ready to go. And, you know, then we had Nick Boyle go down against the Patriots week 12 or something like that. So, I mean, I had to play a lot more of his position and try to do things he does. So I think, you know, coming into next year, I'm going to year five now and I'm going to, you know, the plans full-time offense. So I think I'm going to really be able to just keep improving the things that I've either been really doing really well at or areas that I need to improve um, that I haven't done too much of. And, you know, it's things like route running, like I can just work on my route running game, do more routes, um, you know, get better at the routes I've been doing, you know, just little things like that. And I think, you know, you're going to see the same player I've always been. You're going to see me all over the field. I'm going to be physical. I'm going to be dominant. I'm going to finish my blocks, finish every play. But I think you're going to see more of a polished player. I'm going to seem like I know what I'm doing a little bit more because I am. I'm going to be, you know, I'm doing this longer. It's exciting. I mean, I, every year I'm excited because I'm always asked to do new things or myself. I always try to improve in something every day. So when it comes to football, you know, it's it's always exciting to try to get better in that. Obviously, your coaching staff and organization really believes in you. If, if you're that go-to guy, that they can say, "We need you on a on a whim," and that's a great trait to to have. Yeah, and I think you know it's it's also the, speaks for the organization. I mean, here I am, an undrafted defensive lineman, and they did not have to give me any opportunity at all to try to make their team. They could have been like, "Okay, he's okay as a defensive lineman. Maybe he can be on our practice squad. Maybe not." But for them to be like, you know what, let's see what he can do on offense and give him an opportunity and see what he can do. And and then from there, I mean, they've let me grow and learn. You know, there's a big learning curve and, you know, I mess up all the time. And for them to just keep having trust in me and just keep believing in me. I mean, they let me play two sides of the ball for three years and did not have an issue with it. I mean, that, that alone is a lot of trust. They got to trust that I know what I'm doing and that I can sustain that play. And, and, and you know, whenever... 
they need me in a pinch, they know that I'm there. So, I mean, that's, you know, that, that speaks a lot to the organization itself. It really does. Are, are there some coaches that really stick out in your mind that have, you really think are your go-to guys and have really been there for you? Yeah. I mean, it starts with, with Harbaugh. I mean, he's the real one that even gave me the opportunity to play fullback and he's also the one. So after my very first rep, they gave me in OTAs, I did really well. And me being smart, like I said, I was an undrafted guy. So I was trying to make a name for myself in any way and whatever. And after that play, I did well. So I made sure on the sideline, I'm going to stand right next to John Harbaugh, make sure he saw it. And I stood next to him and he's like, you just stand there like, He's like, you look like a natural doing that. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I used to do it in high school. And then he was like, okay. And that's, I think that was it. I think, I think that's what kind of got the ball rolling. And then he, you know, gave the reins to Greg Roman, who was the tight ends coach and the run game coordinator. And he's the one who really likes using fullbacks. And, and he's a big reason why I play in this offense and he uses me so well. And, um, you know, I'm just so thankful for both those guys. And then my position coaches on, you know, the offensive side of the ball, they've made me grow so much. You know, it's Bobby Ingram and uh, Andy Bischoff. And unfortunately, Andy uh, just signed. Well, not unfortunately, but fortunately, it's, you know, no, a lot of coaches, they love where they are. And, you know, they have family here and their family likes it here. And, and that was in this case. He, he loved it here. And he got an opportunity to be a, a head tight ends coach for the, the Texans. And he took it. So. You know, unfortunately, I loved him. He was more than a coach to me. I could ask him anything and would never get mad. And now he's the he was an assistant tight end coach here. So now he's the head coach. It was kind of a promotion for him. But I'm just bummed because he just made me so much better of a player. And so now he has the opportunity. You know, besides those guys, obviously, there's a lot of support here. I mean, the whole strength staff, the whole uh, training room. I'm in there all the time because, you know, my position is so physical and, you know, they take care of me and make me strong and healthy. And, but yeah, there, like I said, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, support around here, especially in, in my situation. What's your go-to song or artist before a game? Do you have a, you have a hype playlist? How does that work? Does it change every game? No. So like, I get asked this question all the time and I always like feel weird answering this, but like, I don't really listen to music that much before a game. You know, I'll have a couple songs that I'll play, but like it's mostly just rap and hip hop songs that I kind of kind of in the mood for. But mostly it's for me on game days. It's like I go in there and I just like kind of flip a switch in my head to where like I have to start really, really getting focused and start like just kind of getting like I wouldn't say like pissed off, but like I have to start like getting mad because like I have to be physical up in like an hour, you know, so I got to run full speed into people. So I just kind of get in the zone and I have a routine I go about. I do the same thing every single time to get it, not throw myself off and kind of get, you know, myself re- ready. And mostly besides music, I kind of just like feed off the vibe of the locker room and the guys getting ready. I mean, some guys, the way they get ready and like how focused they get. And like, I just look at them and I just like kind of get speak focused and kind of things like that. And some guys sing and it's terrible, but you kind of, you know, it kind of gets you, it kind of gets you in the zone. And I think that's the biggest thing. You know, music for me is, it helps, but most of my teammates, I think is the biggest thing. I got you. Yeah. You got to surround yourself with the, especially having a healthy locker room is important. And you love seeing that before a game, everyone getting hyped, but I'm also glad you mentioned something earlier where you were like, I got to go hit someone an hour. When I interview a lot of college people in particular, especially USC, Somebody said it the other day. He's like, dude, we're getting up for 5 a.m. workouts. He's like, I'm up at 3.30 a.m. He's like, imagine mentally preparing yourself to hit the out of somebody in an hour. And he's like, you don't even have your eyes open. And I'm like, 
I, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. It's rough in college. <laughs> I don't, I do not miss those days of 6am workouts or anything like that. Do you have any idols you look up to in football that you want maybe mock your playoff of, or you kind of learn from? So growing up, I was a huge Patriots fan, all Boston sports fans because I'm from Massachusetts and that's all I really watched and cared about. So I didn't really get to watch too much other players growing up. And then obviously when I came into the league, I love defensive players because that's what I was playing. And then for fullback, you know, there was, I'm trying to learn the position and kind of get, you know, and obviously there's Kyle Juszczyk, who who's a great fullback. He played for the Ravens and he does a lot of things great. And, you know, for me, it's more of just seeing how guys play and then trying to see things that I think will help my game and try to implement it a little bit. And, you know, I'm not trying to be the next Kyle Juszczyk or the whatever. I'm trying to just be myself and just try to improve my thing. So, like, there's certain fullbacks that I, I like watching. You know, Kyle's one of them. James Devlin was one of them when he played for the, the Patriots. Um, I've gotten pretty close with Mike Harney, who was a great fullback in the early 2000s. And, um, you know, he posts clips all the times of, of him on social media, and I always watch it. And, you know, it's just things like that. And, and the thing, too, is, like, in today's league, you know, t- the fullbacks are kind of the position where, you know, some teams don't use them, some do, and then some kind of have that like hybrid tight end fullback kind of thing. So, like, I watch other tight ends and how they block and how they block in space because that's a lot of what I do too. So, you know, Nick Boyle is a great example of that. He's a great blocker and he's my teammate. So I ask him a lot of questions and watch his film, and you know, it's kind of a weird answer for you, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's mostly I, I like watching other tight ends and you know some some fullbacks. I mean, six three, what three hundred pounds? About what you are? I don't want to be anywhere near when you're trying to hit somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I'm a. It's so funny. Like after that Titans game, you know, I had a couple of catches, and of course, me being a fullback and a couple of catches is, you know, oh my god, like whatever. So my name kind of got out there, and my roster weight is still three eleven, and that's when I was playing defensive line. I was three eleven. And, um, you know, I moved well from my size, so I was still playing fullback. And this past year, knowing that I was just going to be mostly offense uh, going into last season, so I cut a little bit of weight. And this past year, I was, like, in the range of, like, all around 290. So I would be, like, you know, sometimes, like, maybe 285 to 295. That that was my range. You know, I don't have to be quite 300 because, that's for real, like, I'm motioning all the time, shifting and running some routes and running a lot more than just playing D-line. So, yeah, I'm not happy. So, yeah. do you think the Ravens have something to prove this year? Absolutely. I mean, every team does, regardless if you want a Super Bowl or not. I mean, it's a new season. You know, I think the their narrative around here is we can't get past the division around. You know, we can't win a game in the playoffs. You know, it, it, there's always something to prove. Like, watch next year, we're gonna go to the Super Bowl and we're gonna win, and it's gonna be like, oh. Something there's something else. There's always something. I think it's we got to prove that our great team and we belong in the Super Bowl. You know, we belong in the AFC Championship, and I think that's just we're gonna have to get over that. And then if we don't, until we get over that hump, I think they're gonna say the same things. And it's it's the way, it's that way for everything. And you obviously, know? the goal is the ring for everyone. For but everyone. What what do you think your team has that other teams don't this year coming in? Hmm. Besides, don't say Lamar, you know, but put it, 
other other than Lamar. They got, Lamar they got you. They got you. <laughs> yeah, they got a 300 pound fullback. You know what I'm saying? Now, um, <laughs> um, I think we have a good nucleus of players. We coming from 2019, 2020. I mean, we brought back pretty much the whole coaching staff. We brought back almost every starter we have, and even this year, we still have a lot of great players that are coming back. The thing that's going to be interesting about our team next year is we have a a pretty brand new coaching staff. A lot of our coaching staff is gone. They all went on to new roles or you know, different teams and whatever it may be. So that's going to be interesting to see how that shapes out and how our team is going to be. Um, you know, I think we're a very motivated team. I think we have a lot going for us. I mean, look at the past few years. We ranked number one in rushing as a team. You know, now all we have to do is improve our passing game and our offense is going to go that much further. You know, how do we do that? I mean, it goes, every player has to improve in their game in whatever ways to get to that point. And then it goes from drafting great players for our offense. It goes to uh, getting some guys in free agency. I saw today we got um, Kevin Zeitler. Is that you say his name? I you think know, so, yes. Right, like things like that. Like hopefully he's going to be a guy who can come in here and compete and either get a starting job or compete and make our team better any other way. And you know, that's, all, that's all we can do as players. Um, so one you know, day at a time, get better right. a little bit every day. Yeah. Like all I can do is focus on myself and try to be a great teammate and try to help this team win games. You're right though. There has been a lot of changes this week and we've been really keeping an eye on this QB carousel, especially like, you know, with a lot of big names flying around, I'm sure like Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, I'm excited to see if anything happens with those people. But I think the big, big news of this week was Drew Brees announcing his retirement. Yeah. Do you put him in this GOAT conversation? Yes. Yeah. I mean, played 20 years at a very, very high level. Unbelievable career. I mean, how many? He had one ring, right? He won one. One ring. So at least he has a Super Bowl ring. He probably was the MVP of the year. I'm not sure. Played for a great franchise for so long at such a high level and won so many games and was such a great person on and off the field. He's just one of those generational players that will be talked about for a long time. You know, one of the greats, you know, Drew Brees is going to be one of those Joe Montana's or John Elway's of his generation for sure. There's a handful of quarterbacks that are as elite as him. And it's always sad to see a career like that end because you just never want it to end. And when it ends, you're like, oh man, like, like he really retired. Like that's it. There's going to be no more Drew Brees ever again in the NFL. And as crazy as that sounds, because he's doing, he did it for 20 years. And I, I, and, you know, for me, like before I was even a, uh, a player as a fan, like you have to just appreciate careers and how great they are. Even if you don't like the person, you can appreciate their career. Like, you know, a lot of people might not like Tom Brady for whatever reason, you know, I love him. And, Crazy. <laughs> yeah. And like, you might not like him, but like, you better appreciate Res- that respect career. on his name. <laughs> yeah. And like, and like appreciate him in the now still playing and what he's doing. You know, there's so many, there's so many careers like that. You know, LeBron James, when LeBron retires, it's going to be insane. It's going to be like, wow. Like, like we took him for granted, like whatever. And, you know, it's a sad day for football to see Drew Brees grows go, but you know, there's going to be another, great player to come up and, you know, fill that role and, you know, hopefully make a name for themselves and be the next Drew Brees. 
Lamar's in that conversation. You know, you have Patrick Mahomes in that conversation. You got Herbert. So many young, talented quarterbacks right now. But again, I it is true to take the time to appreciate the goats. I mean, you're right. To, the fact to even Tom Brady is even doing what he's still doing. I won't even put up the rings. Everyone should already know. And now there's even talk of him going undefeated next season, which is crazy. But you know how they like to go crazy with that kind of stuff. For you, is it great to be able to just be able to say, yep, I played against Tom Brady or to your, like to your family and just even yourself. Yeah. I mean, I mean, is it cool? Like, let's not downplay it. It's very cool. I, especially growing up in new England, like he, Tom Brady, my whole life like growing up, like, I don't think there's any bigger figure than him in new England. Like there's nobody bigger than Tom Brady. Like everybody knew him. Everybody loved him. You know, New England, it's six states. Like, it's a its a lot of people that cheer on that one team. And for me, growing up, watching him, loving him, and how great they were and how much of a status he made himself. And, and then to get a play against him, you know, people can't take that away from me ever. You know, I can say, like, I played against Tom Brady. Like, I was around him. Like, and we beat them when we played against them. And, um, you know, and it's something that I'll always have for the rest of my life. And, it's a very cool experience. I mean, it couldn't be any cooler than besides playing with him. You know, if I played for New England when he was there growing up, you know, playing for the hometown team, like that's probably the only thing that would have been cooler, but very surreal. That's for sure. What's your go-to touchdown celebration dance? What do you well, do? Yeah. So, I mean, not having any touchdowns in college. But and you know, you have to think about it. Like you have to have well, one in your brain. It, but like, you know, me going to the NFL, like I wasn't like, yeah, I'm gonna get touchdowns and like have these celebrations in mind and things yep. like that. It was more like, okay, I'm gonna get some sacks and some TFLs and some tackles and you know, do my little I mean thing. blocking a field goal was like a touchdown though, something like that. Like Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I never really big like I I I'm more of like like getting hyped to my teammates, spiking the ball, like say it was up to them, and that's about it. Like the only one thing I did, I have four touchdowns in the regular season so far. And my second one, so my, my rookie years, my, I got my first touchdown. It was like week, it was later in the season in November. I got it. I was kind of like, oh crap, like I just got a touchdown. Like didn't really do much. Um, and then I was like, okay, if I do it, if I get another touchdown, like I got to think of something. And it was actually the next week I got another touchdown. So I thought of it. I thought it was pretty cool. No one really saw it. So I don't know if I should make it a thing or do it again. It was like, I got the football in my hand. I like, I like hit it against my face mask a couple of times and I pretended to like shotgun it. And then I like, I slammed it in the ground. I think that's legit. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to do it again and make sure everyone sees me like, okay, here we go. Like, and make it like my own thing. Like pretend I'm like shotgunning it and whatever. I can see TikTok going crazy. (laughs) Right. Like I could see it turning into something, but since then, my other two touchdowns, I kind of just celebrated, you know, but my, my third one, it was week one. Oh, I've been here, done that now. Yeah. You know, it's, and I, I'm a bigger guy, so like I'm not very good at dancing. So like I don't want to make myself look like an idiot or just do something stupid or look awkward. And you know, my third touchdown, we were playing the Dolphins week one, and we were up by like 40 points, and then I scored. So I didn't want to like celebrate. And then my last one I got, I was just so dang excited that I just like just just like freaking out, like let's go, you know, like. Um, so maybe next year I'll think of something with my teammates and try to do something cool. Right now, I don't really have a significant uh, dance. I feel you. But I love that. Let the opinions on Pickens family know where they can follow you on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
My social media name on Twitter and Instagram is PRIC, P-R-I-C, 508. Uh, you know, I had to represent where I'm from. That's my area code in Massachusetts. Um, P-RIC was kind of a nickname, you know, Pat Ricard. It's not prick. There's no K. People always like, I don't get it, but whatever. Um, besides that, you can also go to my website, thepatrickricard.com. It has all my links to my social. It has a newsletter. You can sign up uh, using your email to get any updates about me. Um, I have some merch on there. You know, some pro- Project Pat swag, some Pancake Pat merchandise. Besides that, I mean, that's about it. I also yeah. read something. I, I totally forgot about this. What was this I read about you doing like an Instagram food thing? Or was is that, yeah. is that what it was? So that was my rookie year. I tried to like get myself more involved in Baltimore and kind of get my, you know, my name out there a little more. So I was like, my agent's like, you know, what, what can we do, Pat? Like, let's try to figure out something. I'm like, well, I like food. Okay, let's say you like food. All right, so why don't you on your off days take a teammate out and go to Baltimore and do like, you know, kind of do a little review of the place and go to more like low-key places that people may not know about in Baltimore. And, you know, and that's kind of what I did. I did it for about like, I think I did it like six weeks or so, brought some teammates out. And each week I would take them to a different spot in Baltimore. And, you know, Ask, I have like a set of questions I would ask them. I would go live on my Instagram. And then I had another thing, a little segment called like, uh, what's that with Pat or something stupid? And it would be like, this, no, it was this or that with Pat. And it was like, this or that, like PS4 or Xbox, uh, pizza or tacos. And I would just, you know, ask some stupid questions. And then we would just be eating food and kind of review the place. And I would give an overall review of the place and my time there. And, um, you know, and then going to my second year, I was going to keep doing it, but I enjoy my off days. You only get once one a week in the season. And I feel you. Yeah. So I think it might be uh off season OTAs type thing. I might do it again, but, and then obviously COVID hit. So it kind of took, you know, couldn't really keep doing all it. restaurants away. <laughs> yeah. And, and the whole thing was called project Pat food review. So, uh, you know, it was like, cool. Two like, things come to mind when like, I, I think about that one is like, Barstool Sports, like Dave, like what? What? Only one bite. Everybody knows the rules. One bite. Everybody knows the rules. Kind of similar. Yeah. And then, and then the other thing I think about is um, hot ones. The the wings. Have you seen that one where he does the? Uh, oh, that one's hilarious. So he has like shack on or someone, and it's like ten different hot sauces. So you try one wing and all the way to ten, and like by ten you're dying. Like you can't even take it no more. Yeah. So Shaq's like, oh, where's this from? He's on like nine. It's like they don't know how to do hot sauce and down in Kentucky. <laughs> they don't know how to do hot sauce. Takes a bite. He goes. He's like, oh, oh, he's like, end the interview, right. end the interview, like cannot do it anymore. It's hilarious. But yeah, I think that's awesome. So if I need any food reviews on Baltimore, I'm going to hit you up. Please give right. me some good places yeah. to hit up. I got some good spots, you know, been there for almost four years now. It's been a long time. So I, you know, definitely know a couple areas. So for this upcoming season, only other question I really have is, are, are we about to turn up? Always. <laughs> I mean, what other option do we have? Right. Like. <laughs> God damn it. We just got to get past the day in the divisional round. That's all I have to say. You know what I'm saying? So I'm you excited. You guys got yeah. this. Most of our team's coming back. Um, we'll see what happens in this next week or so. I mean, it's pretty crazy right now what's happening in the NFL. So we'll see who we get. We'll see who leaves. We'll see what coaches we're going to have and what's going to happen in the draft. And then just, you know, just go from there. Pat, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate you and hope to have you on again soon. Opinions on Pickens fam. 
Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you're watching on YouTube, subscribing on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you find your podcast and follow us, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you like to do your social media, even TikTok. Until next time, I'm Melissa Butterson. Keep winning. Thanks for listening. Check us out on Instagram at Opinions on Pickens. Please like and subscribe to us on YouTube and check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep winning.